Uh, we'll hear argument first this morning in number 96, 1654, uh, Frank Muscarello versus United States, and number 96, 8837, Donald E. Cleveland and Enrique Gray Santana versus the United States. Mr. Klonoff. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, this case raises the issue left open in Bailey versus United States what it means to carry a firearm under 18 U.S.C. 924 C1. Petitioner submits that for four principal reasons, carries a firearm means bears a firearm on one's person. First, the plain meaning of the phrase carries a firearm directly supports petitioner's position. Dictionaries repeatedly and consistently equate carries a firearm with having a firearm on the person. Second, the government has not cited a single dictionary that defines the phrase carries a firearm to mean transporting or possessing a firearm in a vehicle. Instead, the government improperly isolates the word carry rather than looking at the specific context, carries a firearm. But, with, but although the term carry has multiple definitions, this court has made clear in Deal versus United States and elsewhere that when a dictionary offers multiple definitions, all but one of those meanings is ordinarily eliminated by context. Here, the context is carries a firearm. Third, the government's view would make carries a firearm the same as transporting a firearm. But Section 924B and numerous other gun provisions use the word transport, showing that Congress knew how to get across the concept of transport when it wanted to. Do, do any of those other provisions speak of, of transport in relation to the crime of violence or drug crime, or is it just transport in the abstract? Um, well, there are a whole variety of, of, of provisions, uh, Justice Souter. I guess one that comes to mind is 18 U.S.C. 926A, which talks about transporting, shipping, or receiving a firearm, or transporting a firearm for any lawful purpose from any place where he may lawfully possess and carry such a firearm. But, that is the closest analogy. For an unlawful purpose, you say? No, it, doesn't, it does for not use that. For, that's for a lawful purpose? Yeah. It's a crime to transport it for a lawful purpose? It's not transporting, shipping, or receiving for any uh, lawful purpose from where he may legally possess. But in, that's a crime. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, I didn't realize we'd gone that far yet. But in, in, in any case, I, I take it the, uh, the other references to transport as a prohibition do not have the limitation that this prohibition has on, on carries. Not in that precise terminology. So, so, so that uh, to, uh, to read it as the government would read it, I think probably would not, therefore, just duplicate, uh, in effect, all of the other prohibitions on transportation. Well, we think that it would. In fact, the government itself... Well, but it's maybe I'm not getting my point across. I thought the reason that it wouldn't was that there's a limitation, there's a restriction here in relation to a drug crime, a crime of violence, and that restriction does not occur in, in the instances in which transportation is specifically prohibited in other parts of the statute. That's the only point that I'm trying no, to make. No, I understand, but the during in relation to is a separate component, but in terms of the meaning of the word carry, we think that it is instructive to look at the other uh, statutes. I still don't think you're understanding Justice Souter's point. He's saying that just as you say the word firearm must be taken into account in determining the meaning of the word carry because that's part of its context. So also the, the phrase in relation to a crime of violence or uh, a, a, a drug offense 
must be taken into account in, in gathering the meaning of carry, because that is part of its context. Oh, I, I agree with that point, Your Honor. Okay. It, now, the second question is, are there any other statutes that have similar language? No, there are I not. I can't imagine that there's none that, 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 that says it's a crime to transport a firearm for an unlaw unlawful purpose. No, there, there is no. It makes it a crime to carry it for a there, there, is, there is no statute precisely like that, Your Honor. That, that is the answer. With reference to carry, I, the definition of firearm includes a missile, a rocket launcher. Yes, uh, there is a broad. Do you have to carry the rocket launcher on, in your vest pocket? No, and that, that is correct, Your Honor. There are some types of, of firearms as, as defined in 921 that you couldn't physically have on your person. Or a landmine. That's correct. Of course, the definition of firearm in 921 is for the entire Chapter 44, and it's not surprising that there may be situations that don't fit every circumstance. And that would be so. So then, so then, if you had a landmine in your in your in the trunk of your car or in the back of the utility vehicle, that would be carrying it. It would not be. The, our definition of carrying is limited to on the person. Uh, there are some kinds so the, of so, firearms. So, so there's some kind of firearms that cannot be carried, and therefore. Uh, there's no violation of the statute in your view. Well, there could be a violation for using uh, in those circumstances or trans for exactly under other provisions. So there are a number of ways you could get at the same conduct. If Congress but wanted are there, to... Are there any statutes in which Congress has defined uh, something like firearm, uh, punishing, punishing is carrying, but then the firearm is so defined that it cannot be carried? I don't understand how that works. Well, it only... As I said, it only applies to a small number of the firearms contained within the definition of 921A3. And again, we don't think it at all surprising that when you have a statute that's applied to the entire firearms chapter, that there may be one or two types of, of firearms as defined that you could not physically carry on your person. That is a problem for Congress to fix under the proposed legislation, uh, which would expand to include possession. Uh, that would be encompassed, and I would submit that's a problem uh, that Congress has to fix. There are some oddities of the statute under any possible interpretation, but we don't think that the mere fact that some conceivable type of firearm could not be carried on the person should inform this court's interpretation of the words carries a firearm. What about Judge Trott's view that whatever line is drawn here, it would make no sense to say to the savvy criminal, hide the gun and you're home free. Just don't keep it on your person. Keep it where you can get at it when you need it. Would that be a sensible line to attribute to Congress? Um, Judge Trott's analysis is entirely flawed. If the court looks at his opinion, he talks about the absurdity of a situation where somebody has a gun on this person and then puts it on the car seat and all of a sudden he's scot-free. That's not at all the position we're arguing. We're not focusing entirely on the point of arrest. And if the government can prove to the jury that the individual had the firearm on his person at some point during and in relation to uh, the crime at issue, he would be prosecuted. So in Judge Trott's example, there is adequate evidence under petitioner's definition of carries a firearm to convict that person. Now, let me just respond, though, to Your Honor's question. Uh, I submit that Judge Kaczynski has it right in terms of what the everyday criminal thinks. And he thinks of carrying a firearm is packing heat. And I would give the court an example that illustrates the point. Two individuals are in a car. They're on the way to engage in a bank robbery, robbery, and they're very close to the scene. The gun is under the back seat or in the trunk or wherever. One individual says to the other, as they're getting ready to pull up, hey, are you carrying the gun? 
where the gun is in the trunk or in some other place, no one would say, yes, I'm carrying the gun. He'd say, no, it's in the trunk. Well, let me ask you this. Suppose uh, the person with the gun uh, physically had it in his hands and put it in the car in order to go and have a drug transaction and in order to have a weapon available to facilitate carrying out the drug transaction. You say the person would have carried the gun uh, when he was putting it in the car. Depending on the crime. For a crime of possession with intent to distribute, that's correct. He had the gun on his person. He would be carrying it. Well, and he carried it for use at the time the drug sale is made, for example. Yeah, during and in relation to. So, So, can he be charged with carrying the gun because he carried it to the car where he then put it? where it was not immediately available? Under our view, yes, if, as long as the government can also show the during and in relation to. And, for example, a possession with intent to distribute situation where you're putting drugs in the car, you're putting your gun in the car, seems to me that there's more than sufficient evidence there. And, and again, that's why I think Judge Trott's analysis is faulty, because in many of those situations you will have sufficient evidence of carries a firearm on the person. In, with, in, in every case, uh, Mr. Kwan, where you have a drug in the uh, trunk, rather, a gun in the trunk, a gun in the glove, someone carried it and put it there. So uh, they, under your analysis, much would depend on how we define in relation to. I mean, how far back can you go? That's correct, Your Honor. That, that is true. In our case, though, there was a gun in the locked glove compartment. There's no evidence of when it was put there, and the government couldn't conceivably make the argument that that gun was carried to the... So it blood. follows from your, from your analysis that the, that, the, that the informed drug dealer will have, a drug in, will have a gun in his car at all times, when he goes shopping, when he goes to church, and when he distributes the drugs. If he's reading up on the statute, that might be correct. But again, that's a problem, and that goes back to the, what Judge Trott said. But the point is, is that those oddities we submit are for Congress to fix. What are the oddities? That's, I mean, I, I, I carry plants in the back of my car in the trunk. I think, haven't I? When I, I go to the nursery, pick up the plants, put them in the trunk, carry them to my house. I always thought I was carrying the plants. Well, again, that's contextual. And our right. point is, is when you're talking right. about the, the What I really want to know is I'm pointing out I don't find that odd. I do find it odd, as you do, that if there really are things like you see in the movies of, you know, big gangsters with huge guns guarding the place, that that wouldn't fall within the statute. We both find that odd. What are the oddities on the government's interpretation? You said that was odd, and I'm not certain. Well, there, I don't know there's your focus on, on what those are. There are several. First of all, under the government's own theory, since movement is required, if an individual is sitting on a couch and the gun's next to him, he's not carrying it. So there's immediate access, but the government says it's not carry. Uh, secondly, it's not clear whether the government's... Or indeed, even if it's on his person, so long as he hasn't moved it, I suppose. Exactly. That's if, right. If he gets one of his uh, Confederates to come and hand him the gun, he puts it... And so there, there are oddities of omission, but is there any oddity... Of, uh, is there any oddity that is produced? If we, if we accept the government's interpretation, does that produce anything odd? I think it does. What For example, I don't think the government's position applies to a passenger. Uh, I think it only applies to the person in control. So you'd have an odd situation of the gun sitting next to the passenger who's orchestrating the entire drug transaction. He's not carrying it, uh, but the driver would be. If I could save the balance of my time for rebuttal. Very well, Mr. Klonoff. Uh, Mr. Zalkin, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court. Uh, in deciding, Bailey, you have given those of us who labor in the fields of criminal law a clear line uh, definition, and uh, we're all asking for the same with the word uh, carry. Uh, 
We're asking for really the ordinary and plain meaning of, of the word carry in context of firearms. And of all the cases that I've read, I haven't heard about rocket launchers used in uh, drug transactions in any of the circuit cases. We're really talking about firearms, portable firearms, and that's bearing on the person. Well, in days gone by, if some rider had a, a gun in the scabbard on his saddle, as used to be the day when I lived on a ranch, is that person carrying a weapon? If it's right on his... his right there on the saddle. You know where they put the scabbard on a saddle. I, I understand that, uh, Justice O'Connor. Uh, I would say under our definition that that would not be carried because it's not on... Nor would it be if you had it in a wheelbarrow and were No, that would not be carried. If you, had, and if you had a locked briefcase, and in the locked briefcase there was cocaine and there was a, uh, a Mac... Uh, 20, one of these fierce uh, of firearms that was mentioned in Smith, that would be carried. Why, why do, but why when I put the, I mean, this is what, because I, I so often use the words, I, I put a flower plant or something for my wife in the trunk, and I feel I'm carrying that to my house. And why, in the plain meaning of the words, if instead of a, I hope I wouldn't do it, instead of a flower plant, it happens to be a case of rifles, that we're uh, using to uh, for the big drug transaction. Uh, why, why am I not carrying that? I mean, if I'm carrying the plant, why, why wouldn't I be carrying the case of rifle? Because we're talking about statutory interpretation, and we're That's talking true. about a narrow meaning of the word carry, which is bear on the person. And I guess you can carry a grudge, you can carry a tune, you can carry a whole lot of things, and it has different meanings depending on, on what you're carrying, right? Justice Scalia, I totally agree with you. But I'm, my problem, to be specific, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get an answer to this, is whenever I would think of an anomaly, and, I, and I've been trying to think of them, is it seems to me the anomalies tend to be taken care of on the government's interpretation by the words, in relation to a drug transaction. So I really haven't, once I play with those words, found anything odd about the government's interpretation. And that's why I'm asking you to tell me if I, if I, if I adopt the government's interpretation and work with those words in relation to, does it produce any odd result? Uh, yes, because the, 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 the government's, uh, Justice Breyer, the government's interpretation is basically a transportation interpretation. And you're talking about the trunk of a, of a, of a vehicle. What about the ocean liner? What about the double uh, uh, truck where you have the, the, the double caboose? What about the caboose at the end of the railroad line? What about the uh, power boat that is 20 feet and then it's 40 feet and then it's 75 feet? What about the, the, the uh, uh, I sail on racing boats? What about the 50-foot racing boat and it's a trimaran and you're out on the, on the uh, furthest end of the trimaran and that's where you could, you could carry uh, 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 firearms? But under your view, you say that uh, putting it in a wheelbarrow and pushing it isn't carrying. How about one of these luggage containers that's on a little strap and wheels? I, I, Not I, carrying, I, I guess, huh? That, that's becoming closer, Your Honor, because uh, 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 we're, we're talking about on the person. And once you have that... That, that luggage that you're, you're, you're carrying right with you, that's not really a separate, that's right on the purse. That's a purse would clearly purse. qualify, wouldn't it? If, if, if a woman carried a gun in her purse, that would qualify. You, Justice Scalia, that would qualify. Make the purse, purse a little bigger and it's a suitcase. And would that qualify? If the person is carrying that suitcase, yes. Justice Scalia, that would, that would qualify. But if the wheelbarrow... We would say there's a line draw. That's a, between the line is between the suitcase and the wheelbarrow. No, between the body. 
between the body. We would include, for instance, if you had ten layers of clothes and there would be a firearm that, you, that was in under the ten layers, that would be carried, even though you would not have immediate access. Well, there, there, there are going to be fine lines we have to draw, no matter whose version of the statute we interpret. Chief Justice, that's correct, but the version that we're suggesting is the easiest, and it has the easiest line to draw. Congress, if they want to make possession a crime, then they can, and they're trying to right now, they can add the word possession if they want to, or they can add the word transport. But the line that we're drawing is the easiest, and you did it for us in Bailey. But what about the government's argument that your client loses in any case because your client went to a shop, purchased a gun for the specific purpose of having it with him in this drug deal, carried the gun in his hand to the car. So your client, whatever it might be in another case, where the gun was just in the car, your client carried the gun to the car. Justice Ginsburg, I most respectfully disagree with you, because he did carry some firearms to the car, but it wasn't in relation to a drug crime at that time. It hadn't, he, that issue was never raised. So you say that doesn't present a carry problem. It is carried, but not in relation to Not, not in, the, in my case. I, I, if, if a drug transaction was really evolving, it, let's say the drug transaction started down in Symphony Hall, and he had some guns hidden in a building near Symphony Hall, and once he made the conversation with the drug dealers, they really knew they were going to a motel, and he went over to a building, grabbed his guns, and brought them and threw them in the trunk at that, while the drug transaction was moving. That would be different. But in my case, sometime er, er, much earlier in the afternoon, when he didn't uh, uh, n- know that where there was going to be a meeting, what the quantity was, what, what the negotiations were. Was he going to get the drugs fronted or was he going to rip the drugs off? There was no specific plan. He was charged with, with an attempt to commit possession with intent to distribute uh, cocaine. He wasn't charged. The other charges were dismissed. That's the charge that he made a conditional plea to. So in our case, he would be not guilty. There are cases that if it's all within an immediate activity during the drug transaction, yes, I would agree with you, you Justice uh, Ginsburg. Well, you seem to be taking the view that the in relation to has to be specific to the transaction as it finally turned out. Why, why should that be? Why can't in relation to simply refer to the general subject matter? If he put the, the guns in the trunk for whatever use they would turn out to be to him, in whatever drug transaction he succeeded in uh, engaging in, why isn't that enough for in relation to? It, it, it isn't because there's no... He couldn't have been arrested at the, when he carried the guns to the car and charged with the specific crime of attempting to possess with intent to distribute uh, uh, cocaine at that time. He could have been arrested by the state of Massachusetts for possession of firearms, but he couldn't have been a, a, arrested for during a drug crime, because the drug crime wasn't... I, I didn't say anything about during. I, I, I said I was asking you why it is not sufficient for the in relation to prom to prove that he put them in the car for whatever use they might turn out to be in whatever drug transaction he succeeded in engaging in. He didn't know, on my hypothesis, what that transaction would be exactly, but he did know that he intended to engage in a drug transaction. Why, under those circumstances, is, is not the in-relation-to prong satisfied? Well, every single 
drug transaction where there are firearms, at some point, I think it was mentioned by one, one of the justices before, somebody would be bringing the guns to the car. And uh, th- they're just not committing a crime at that time. Just because... Well, you, what's well, the language of the statute at 924C? It says whoever during and in, in relation, relation to any crime of violence or drug trafficking crime uses or carries a firearm. They have to go together, do they? During and in relation to... to be both. Justice O'Connor, I agree with that. Yeah, but isn't, isn't the point that he is committing and that he has taken the substantial step so that he has committed the crime of attempt when he starts loading the, the guns in the car, isn't that the case? <laughs> Justice Souter, not if he doesn't place them uh, at or near the scene of the crime. When he placed the firearms in the car, that was not that would not be considered. Well, I don't have to be near the scene of the consummated crime to engage in an attempt if I take a substantial step somewhere else. Most respectfully, we would disagree with you, Justice Souter. You would have to take a, the substantial step would be if it, if the uh, the instruments of the crime were placed there at or near the scene of, of the, the crime that he's attempting. If you get bur- burglarious instruments and you don't go to the place, if you just have, you know, hammers and tongs, you're not, you, you're not going to be committing that crime. If you decide in your mind you're going to murder someone and you get the, the firearm and you, you put it in your car and you're going to go looking for this person, at that point, you're not committing an attempted murder. You haven't, only ta- you, you haven't taken the substantial step at that point? You have not. Even though you, but you are guilty of the possession of the, of the firearm. But that's a separate, that's a state statute or it could be a federal statute. But it's not this case, 924C, or I've gave, given other hypotheticals relating to other kinds of crimes. If we had just the word in relation to, I, I, I should think that the modifying phrase has something more than a temporal aspect to it, that it's uh, pragmatic as well, if it is accessible, if it facilitates the drug offense. During does seem to be mostly a temporal term. Uh, Justice Kennedy, I, I, I would agree, if I understand the word temporal, because I don't want to say something that I don't totally understand, but uh, as I understand what you're saying, I, I would agree with you that it's, a, it's, an, active, it's an active word. And uh, it, it, it does, it, we, we would prevail under that, that, that uh, uh, definition, as we would prevail under immediate accessibility, but we think immediate accessibility is another transport excuse. Ca- to carry, you don't have to move the firearm. You can carry a firearm by just having it inside your pocket. As the examples were made in both in Bailey and in Smith as to what carry would be, and although that's not totally instructive to us, it, it, it is saying something. Like you say, are you carrying any money to somebody? And even though they're standing still, they would say, yes, I am carrying money. Chief Justice Rehnquist, I, I agree. If you have the money in your pocket, you are carrying money. If you have uh, 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 even an unloaded firearm in your pocket, you are carrying a, 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 a firearm. And, and the tra- what the transport theory does is it, it, it might convict uh, someone that has an unloaded Derringer in the trunk, but it won't convict the... Uh, the, the big drug dealer that has an automatic machine gun in the next room that's, uh, that's sitting there. So, I mean, not that that has, we have to draw a line somewhere, but I just want to p- point out our, our thinking about this. Um, again, there's, there's no linguistic reason to define carry as an automobile, as, as, as transporting. 
And pure t transport has enormous problems, as I think uh, we've uh, pointed out to you. I suppose you define carry as transport, but omit the meaning of transport that means ship. In other words, transport, some, see, it's transport, but not a range for transport. Well, Justice Breyer, uh, then you, you're adding to the, to, the, to the interpretive problems even further. You're, you're getting into ambiguity with, the, with that. And if you're getting into ambiguity, we, we start to think about the rule of, of lenity. Because we're talking about a very serious crimes in, 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 in the Cleveland and Gray case. They got 10 years to begin with. Forget about the firearm. They start off with 10 years of their lives. And now we have this enormous minimum mandatory five years that's going to be added. And if they're not convicted of, of that, the judge could have, in that case, he could have used the guidelines to up, bump it up two more, two more levels anyway. So it isn't that, the, that the, 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 the trial judges don't have power to penalize bad behavior, but we're talking about carrying firearms, a sort of na narrow class of separate minimum mandatory crimes for people that are being severely punished. Um, so Do you accept the Kosinski line that it doesn't have to be on the, the defendant's body, but if it's right next to him where it's within hand's reach. Justice Ginsburg, no, we don't accept that, that line, although if, we, if you accept that line, then we would prevail. But again, that's another uh, transport exception, because there is that movement that Justice Kaczynski eloquently states in his unbanked decision, and we're saying that no, that, that, that would not be carried. That would be the line that's drawn would be at, at, at that point. Even though it was within immediate access, that would not be carried. I think that's consistent with the Bailey decision. Uh, and again, once those lines are drawn... So if a defendant starts out with the gun in his pocket and in the course of the ride to the scene of the deal, puts it on the seat, then the statute doesn't apply. Justice Kimberg, if there was, for instance, somebody in the back seat and that person ended up cooperating with the government and said, look, we're driving along in his car, and he sees the, the, the police and he flips the gun beside him. He'd be, he'd be guilty of carrying, because his is during in relation to, to a drug crime. But if it just so happens he puts the gun in the seat, he might be guilty of use, because if somebody comes over and they see that gun... I, and think, you've, said, no. I think you've answered the question, Mr. Dalkin. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Feldman, we'll hear from you. Feldman, do you know if criminals still talk about packing heat, or did, has Judge Kaczynski been watching too many bogey movies? <laughs> I, I, have, I haven't, I'm not aware of the continued use of that phrase now. Uh, the government's position is that Congress used the term carries a firearm in Section 924C in its ordinary sense to refer to all of the means by which a firearm would ordinarily be said to be carried. Now, well, it but, is. Uh, uh, I, I think the government has some problem. Uh, just in the colloquial sense, where you ask a person, are you carrying a gun? You know, and the person, I think, ordinarily thinks that means on your person. I, uh, Mr. Chief Justice, <clears throat> I think it a lot depends on when it's asked. If you imagine a case where a, a policeman stops a motorist and says, walks up to the motorist and says, are you carrying a firearm? I don't think the motorist would have to stop to think if he wanted to answer honestly, is it on my person? Did I put it on the seat? 
Is it in the trunk or the glove compartment? Did I lock the glove I, I, I'm not sure I agree with you. You don't think? I, well, it's our... It was, uh, maybe my eight colleagues do, but I'm not sure that I do. It's at least our, our uh, feeling, and it's consistent with standard dis- dictionary definitions, that if you ask someone if they're carrying a gun in their car, they would say either yes or no, depending on whether the gun was... Well, if you ask them if they're carrying a gun in the car... Yes, but what if you ask them just, are you carrying a gun? No, I, be- I think the same answer would I, th- I think the same answer would be true even if you said if you're carrying a gun in a circumstance where you're talking about where it, that seems the reasonable uh, uh, reference. If you're talking go up to someone walking on the street, they'll likely interpret that to mean on the person. Uh, Most dictionaries seem to, which I'm sure we've all been looking at since this case arose, uh, they seem to say. Uh, two different things. They say carry means to convey or transport uh, as in a cart or car. Uh, And also they say to have or bear about one's person as a watch or a weapon, locomotion not being essential. I mean, they seem to have both concepts in there. So which one do we look to? And do you think movement is required? Our position is that Congress intended it to refer to both. And so someone is, with a, a gun in a pocket who's sitting in a chair and not moving is covered under your definition? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Ordinarily, the word carry with its etymological roots and its many common usages refers to locomotion. But because common experience tells us that people move a lot, unlike vehicles which sit parked in garages or at the curb for long periods of time, I think the, con- the, the concept that you have to have movement at a particular moment with a person has kind of dropped out or become vestigial. And as a result, when you're talking about carrying it on a person, although as in point of fact, if movement were required, it wouldn't make any difference because people do move, and the inference that someone has moved, if they have one on their person, would be very, very strong. Well, if the weapon but, is in the car, in the government's view, is movement required? Yes. I, I, and I, the, my only qualification I would, I, I would uh, give for that if the defendant is just storing a gun in the car, in his garage, for example, I don't think that he's carrying it. If the car is in the process of moving from one place to another and stops at a red light for a minute or is in the pro- process of moving... Well, the car stops so the drug transaction can be carried out. There's no movement at the time during the drug transaction. The car's parked. Right. At that time, I would say he's still carrying it. If there's a course of movement that's going on, and this is part of it, I think the defendant is still carrying it at that at that. And what about the overlap between the carry and transport? Carry and transport, as the dictionaries, as every dictionary, I think, recognizes, there is a lot of overlap between the terms, but there's a couple of features that clearly, I think three things that clearly distinguish them. First, carry requires that the person who's carrying accompany the item that's carried. I don't think transport requires that. Second, carrying is more commonly used, and this may be just a question of connotations, but where the person who's doing the carrying also intends to use it, uh, it's more, much more common to say that it's carried than used. And an example I'd give simply would be, if you're talking about a flashlight that may be in the glove compartment of a car, it would be unusual for somebody to say, I transport a flashlight in the glove compartment of my car. I don't think it would be unusual to say, I carry a glove com- uh, flashlight in the glove compartment. Well, what do you do about two people in a vehicle in the government's definition? There's a driver and there's a passenger and there's a gun in the glove compartment. Who's carrying I think it def- uh, it's usually those cases are resolved in terms of who has dominion and control over the gun. It may be one or the well, other. Well, who has both. it in, in the government's view? Driver, passenger, weapon, in glove compartment. I, you know, I, 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 I don't, ordinarily it would be the driver, but it could easily be the passenger too, or instead of, it depends on whose gun it was, whether the passenger knew the gun was in the glove compartment, a number of factors. In other words, in order to... It could be both? It could be both also. 
It de- generally speaking, uh, possession, I think, is necessary for either use or carrying. And that would be, you have to look and see uh, who's exercising dominion and control, but they're both responsible for the movement of the car and the movement of the gun. What about, what about the, the examples of being uh, in a catamaran or being in the, in the caboose of a long train? It's still being carried? Our position is that it, it's still being carried. It's still being carried because if the gun, it may or may not be in relation to a drug trafficking offense, but if the gun is being moved from one place to another so that it can be of use and available in a drug trafficking crime, then it is being carried. It's very strange for Congress to, to convey those two quite different meanings. Uh, number one, I'm worried about somebody carrying a gun on his person so that even if he's sitting there stock still, I want this statute to cover him. But I'm also worried about that gun in the caboose. I, I don't to use the same word to cover both of those things. I find that extraordinary. I, I think, that, let me approach that in two ways. One is the case with the caboose, I, I do think that would be a carry. But the term, the fact that the term carry, when you get a vehicle that's sufficiently large, the Queen Elizabeth or something like that, whether and the, the defendant is in one place, the gun is at another, whether the term carry has some fuzziness in that kind of a case, I don't think should affect the fact that in a case like these, which is where you have it in a vehicle and where I think it would ordinarily be said that the gun is carried. Those cases it, just, just make the point more vivid. And the point is, it seems strange Sure, the word can bear each of those meanings, but it seems strange for Congress to pick that word without using an additional word to, uh, to cover both of them. I, you know, Your Honor, I don't think it is strange for two reasons. One is, I do think what Congress was getting at was the act of taking that gun to the scene of a drug transaction, just as the defendants were doing here. And it was not material to Congress whether defendants did that in a suitcase, on their, uh, in a pocket, in the car, in the trunk, or on the seat. Well, your, your definition uh, uh, is really <coughs> adds very little to the word, makes carry very little different from possess. No, I, I don't think that's true. Uh, the no. movement is the only thing that makes it different. Isn't right, it? and I, I think that that's crucial because the, what Congress, as this court I think recognized in Bailey, um, what Congress was concerned about was not just criminalizing their possession of someone who keeps a gun in their house and who then, uh, they were worried that, 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 that the fact that someone keeps a gun in their house should not uh, uh, be a predicate liability here if it has no other relationship to the uh, crime or if it's just a matter of intent. But where someone takes the intentional act of taking the gun and taking it with that person, as these defendants did, so it would be at the scene of the crime. In fact, in the case of Cleveland and Gray, it would be essential to commit that crime because they were intending to rob drugs uh, from another uh, dealer. Then I think uh, uh, that is the crime that, that Congress was trying to get at. It was trying to get at the conduct that's preparatory to the use. And, under, use your, a narrower ter- and under your view, can you give me an example of where you are not carrying a firearm, but you are using it so that we can give each of the terms in the statute uh, an, an independent force? Yes, I, I would point out, I, I can. And an example would be where you refer to it, where you display it. Uh, perhaps in some circumstances when well, how can you do that if it's not in your car or on your person no well for example if it's sitting on a table in your house and sitting out there on the table where you're doing the drug transaction um, or not in your house or some other location uh, I think that you might be referring to it or displaying it but I don't think you would be uh, carrying it but I would also point out that I think that the same uh, the same view would, would hold true if you adopt petitioners uh, view of the statute excuse me you're saying that when we say using a firearm included displaying it it means displaying it up on the wall I thought it meant you know Hands up. No, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not shooting at anybody, but you're, you're brandishing the firearm. You think if, if you have it displayed on the wall, look at that fire. You're displaying a firearm. You're using a firearm. 
Your Honor, I was, I actually, the, 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 I meant to refer to it. If it's sitting on a table, for example. You think that's displaying drug... it? I don't think that's displaying it. Well, we, we would take the position that it is. If, the, if it, you imagine a case right. where the drugs are being dealt right there, the gun is sitting on the table, it's a very powerful message to whoever's on the other side of the table. Uh, well, you wouldn't uh, have it on the table so e when either person can grab it. Well, <laughs> uh, perhaps, again, you're, you're right. The, the circumstances could vary, but perhaps somewhere where it's, all, where, it's, where it's available, where it's quite clear out there in the open where the, the, the uh, uh, dealer can deal with it and not the adversary. The two things I don't see about your definition. The first thing I don't see is... May, these may or may not be relevant. But I don't see why you say the train, why he's carrying it in the train, unless he happens to be Sidney Hill. Who was the person, Avril Harriman or someone, who owned the train and was also the engineer at the time? Then I guess he's carrying it, but otherwise I would think he's arranging to have it carried. I don't understand that part, and I also don't understand this last part where you say having it on the person is carry within this, because I would have thought on your theory that's what... Kaczynski was talking about packing a gun. That is, I thought that the second definition in there, in this dictionary, was referring to the instance where there is no physical movement, but you say, are you carrying a gun? And the answer to that question is yes, even if the person has never moved an inch, because sometimes carry means packing. And I don't see why you bring either of those two things within your definition. I, I think uh, the train, perhaps you're right, maybe it, it would only be an extraordinary circumstance where in a, a, a train kind of case like uh, a case like that where it would be said to be carried, I, I'm really not sure. As far as um, on the person, I do think that Congress intended to use the term in all of the... But places. they put use, that's why use is there. I mean, certainly it's an odd, I mean, it's in the dictionary. You go ahead, because I want your answer. I was just going to say, I think Congress, our, our basic submission is that Congress intended to use the term in all of the ways in which the term would ordinarily be used to talk about carrying. And on the, when it's on the person, if the court were to hold that there had to be movement, it really wouldn't make very much difference. I guess I think that because of common, under common experience, people do uh, move very frequently, the word kind of no longer requires much in the way of movement at a particular moment when it's on the person. But if the court were to hold otherwise, that would be satisfactory with us. But you know, words are not normally used in those in in every sense that they that they can have. They're usually used in you know. There, there's some line by, I think it's an Ogden Nash line. Uh, he he, she made out his purpose up his mind, up her mind, and a dash for the door. I mean, you know, made has all of those meanings. She made out his purpose up her mind and a dash for the door. But you don't use words with all three meanings. And I find it strange to think that Congress is, is going to use the word carry with those two quite different meanings. I, I think, um, I, I guess, I think Congress did. And I'd like to point out that in the numerous authorization statutes that we cite, Congress plainly intended to use the word carry to refer to all of those things. In the numerous statutes that authorize federal officers to carry uh, firearms. But equally important, state law consistently recognizes that carry can be used to mean all of those things in a wide range of different contexts and statutes. But this is and carry during and in relation to. And that's right. And that is, a, that is certainly a separate qualification. And things like immediate, like not immediate accessibility maybe, but the, a degree of accessibility may be relevant for whether it's in relation to a drug trafficking crime. And that was what, the one part of your brief that stymied me with the end. You said, well, as far as Cleveland is concerned, he's out because he carried the gun from the shop to the car. And I thought, trying to fathom what line a sensible Congress would draw, it wouldn't make a distinction based on whether it's a shop clerk that carries the gun and puts it 
on the seat, or the defendant purchased the gun and carried it out himself. In, in our view, both cases, I mean, our primary submission here is that both cases would plainly be carrying, because when he drives off in that vehicle, he's carrying the car in his, the, the gun in his car. But I'd like to make one other I, point about... Maybe before you get off the, the, the example you gave about these other statutes, I think it seems to me the petitioners have a, 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 an adequate response to that, and that is that when you're talking about permissive statutes authorizing uh, federal agents to carry guns... You can apply the, the principle that the authorization of the greater is implicitly an authorization of the lesser. I, I agree so with So that if you offer them to, to carry a gun in the, in the sense of bear it on their person, you obviously authorize them to, 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 to take it from place to place, whether it's in the trunk of the car or on the seat. But you cannot use the greater includes the lesser for, 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 criminal, uh, for criminal punishments. But, Your Honor, I don't think, believe that we're trying to use the greater to include the lesser here. I think you could construe those statutes that way. But you also could look at those dozens of statutes and say that Congress used the natural word there, carry, to refer to the whole variety of things that they, that they, were, they if, were referring to. If there to. is this amount of, of different possibilities, I mean, of ambiguity, then sh surely the rule of lenity comes into play somewhere. I, Your Honor, I would think it would, but not in this case, because I don't think there is any ambiguity, any substantial ambiguity uh, in the question of whether you can be said to carry something in a vehicle. Uh, I think that that's clarified by all of the ordinary canons of statutory uh, interpretation. I'd like to make the one point related to this, the state laws, which is petitioners argue that Congress was unaware of all these numerous state laws, and therefore we shouldn't pay any attention to them in construing Section 924C. Well, when Congress enacted Section 924C in 1968, it said the statute provided for uh, prohibition of carrying unlawfully during a uh, uh, predicate offense. When they said carry unlawfully, they were exactly intending to pick up, and they knew that they were intending to pick up, state law on carrying. An unlawful carry was a carry that was primarily in violation of state law. There were very few federal laws that governed carrying at the time. Now, it's, there's no denying that in 1968, there were numerous state statutes that prohibited carrying in a vehicle. And when Congress removed that... But also state statutes that were limited to carrying on the person. That's right. And it was only the ones they were, they were, they were referring to state law, which plainly recognizes the carrying... Uh, can, some states it could refer to a vehicle, some states it couldn't, but the term, the ones that refer to a person say carry on a person, and the ones that require immediate accessibility say carry about a person. Well, I don't know. If it seems to me if I'm a person reading, isn't that, isn't that the, the, the test? If, if I'm, a, I'm a person reading the statute, would, would I be given uh, adequate notice that, uh, that that's what it's about? It's a statute making it un unlawful to carry a firearm. And, and you think I'm put on adequate notice that it's, if I have it in the trunk of my car, I'm carrying it. I, I, I think there would be ample notice. As I said, I think there are I, mean, I don't care about state statutes or anything else. You could have dozens of them. But if the language doesn't, doesn't, give, doesn't give fair notice to, to whoever's going to be going to get this, uh, this mandatory minimum. Uh, I think if someone were to read this statute and, take, and, and say to his confederate in crime, say, well, you know, let's make sure that we have the gun uh, on the seat of the car and not in your pocket, because if it's in your pocket, you're going to be carrying it when we're driving to the drug deal. I think that would be a pretty improbable uh, event, that most likely someone would read the statute and say, there's a severe penalty uh, that Congress has imposed for this, and we should make sure that we're not carrying it, and we can't carry it in the car, we can't carry it on our persons, we can't carry it in any way. Um, I, I just want to add, that, though, about state law, that when Congress removed the requirement of unlawfully in 1984, they were plainly intending to broaden the reach of the statute. And so there's really just little question that from the time the statute was enacted in 1968 until the present, it's referred to carrying, uh, carrying in a vehicle, um, as well as carrying on a person. May I just 
I just want to clear up one very small point that I was unclear about your answer to Justice Kennedy. You don't take the position, do you, that the two, the term use and the term carry are mutually exclusive? No. You could do one thing that would violate both. You certainly could. Yeah. Um, petitioners have argued that we should, con that the court should construe the term carry narrowly because the court adopted a narrow construction of the term use in Bailey. But I think that would be turning, uh, the reasoning of Bailey on its head. One of the reasons why the court in Bailey construed the term use a little bit narrowly was to still leave some room for carrying. That principle shouldn't be uh, applied here to construe the term carrying narrowly and therefore leave a complete gap in the statute <laughs> for things that people... Well, there are uh, separate offenses for transporting that's, firearms. That's correct. But the, but the, but nonetheless, when, when you're, it's true that there are, and those offenses cover somewhat different conduct. They cover people who, uh, give somebody, who, who, who consign something to be transported, and also people who, people don't accompany the item, and, and also that. Well, they cover this too, don't they? They'd cover, I think they'd probably cover most of this. That's correct. But the, the but, transport statutes would cover what happened here, do you think? I mean, could the government have charged uh, either of these petitioners <coughs> with one of the transportation offenses? The transportation statute, 924B, which is the one that, that has been referred to so, uh, earlier today, requires that the crime be committed therewith, You're transporting it with intent that the crime be committed therewith. And I'm not sure whether it would cover these cases or not. It would depend on whether the crime was actually being committed mm -hmm. with the gun or whether the gun was it was in re, whether the gun was being carried in relation to the crime. Well, you crime. don't need a gun to commit the basic offense, right. do you? Right. That's correct, and that's why I'm not sure. As it may depend on the facts of, of the case, or I'm not sure whether the whether those uh, what what occurs here and what occurs in the majority of 924C cases would be covered uh, by the other by 924B. Well, it also says or or with knowledge, a reasonable <laughs> cause to believe that an offense is to be committed therewith. Right, right. But it's the point is the offense has to be committed with the gun, and that is not the formulation that Congress used in 924C, where it said during and in relation to. The gun has to be carried during and in relation to. But I think most significantly 924B is a broader statute because transport is a broader statute. And as I said, where what Congress had in mind was that the defendant, him or herself, is going to be the one who not only uh, has the gun in the car, but then with the idea that it will be used at some later date, um, I think it's much more natural to use the word carry than transport, which refers just to the bare movement from one place to another uh, for some purpose or for somebody else to use it or for all, for all kinds of uh, other possible reasons. May, may I go back to, you, to the, to the um, uh, provision for transportation with intent that the crime be committed therewith? Would that intent element be satisfied if they transported, knowing that they might need to use the gun, uh, but hoping that they might, in fact, be able to commit their crime without it. Would, would, the, would the intent uh, element be satisfied with, with that state of mind? You know, I, I'm not really aware of exactly how that's been interpreted in the case. I, I guess, I, if, I, if I can be permitted, I guess at it, but I'm not sure it's, it's going to be borne out by whatever cases have come up, yeah. which is, in, in Muscarella's case, it may be difficult to show that it was uh, transported, uh, that the crime would be committed with the gun, because the gun was there to provide him protection during the crime. Uh, in Cleveland and Gray's case, I think probably it would be, because they were going to use the gun in order to rob the dealer and uh, to steal the drugs from another drug dealer. And well, I think that that, that does than. argue, then, for a comparatively narrow reason, uh, narrow reading uh, of carrying. 
I don't, I don't because you don't need to, you don't need the broad rating of carry to, to get to the kind of instance which, as a matter of fact, most of our hypotheticals uh, have been describing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't know. What, it may be that there's a overlap and there's other statutes in Title 18 that would cover the conduct of these uh, of these defendants, and there's a very broad range of different kinds of cases that come up under 924C. But I think the important point is that the term carry is naturally used to carrying it in a vehicle. It's been used that way since 1968. There's no court has ever said that it's not used that way, and I think that's a reflection of the way the term would ordinarily be used and ordinarily understood by Congress at that time and at each of the times that it's amended the statute since then. And for that reason, I, don't, I think that Congress was very concerned with seeing to it that the conduct that leads up to the use, possible use of a gun, this was the, the carrying offense is really uh, meant to kind of... In, um, take care of the, the preparation for use. And for Congress, it was of no moment whether someone takes a gun, puts it in an attache case, locks it, and carries you, you, it. You say preparation, uh, but the statute says during and in relation. You say during any crime. Surely the during has a different connotation than preparation. That's correct. But, for instance, if the offense is possession with intent to distribute the, that, that's a crime that can be, that can, um, oh, you're, you're talking about in preparation carry. for the use. I'm really not talking about it here in preparation for the crime. And I think what Congress was trying to get at was that if someone takes a gun in preparation to commit a drug offense and puts it in a suitcase, if Cleveland and Gray, for example, in this case, had taken, uh, they took, they planned to rob the other dealers, they put the gun in a bag, they put it in the trunk of their car and waited for the call to determine the rendezvous point where they would meet them. Now, if they had instead, and it happened it was far enough away, they, they, they needed to take the car. They got in the car and well, drove there. But robbery is a separate offense. I mean, That's that correct. isn't the drug crime. That's correct. But their drug crime was going to be a, was a, uh, attempted possession with intent to distribute. It was going to be their attempt to get the, uh, to get the drugs. But if they had carried, if they, the, the rendezvous point had been a couple of blocks from where they were and they had carried uh, the bag in their hands, rather in the trunk of the car, it would have made no difference from what Congress was trying to get at in this statute. But they were concerned with getting that, people taking that gun to the scene of the crime, and especially as this court has interpreted use, I think they didn't want to have to wait until someone actually pulls it out and starts um, uh, using it in a, in a very active sense in order to say that, that they, we want to keep that gun away from that drug offense. And whether they take it there in their car or take it there in a bag, I don't think was of great significance, uh, nor should be in, in interpreting the statute. Is, is, is carrying, uh, the half of carrying that doesn't consist of on the person, is, is that always transportation? Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's, it's always transportation. Let me tell you why you should yeah. say no. I, I, no, it's not. I don't want to, no. I don't want <laughs> to lead you into the, yeah. the hole. But I am, I am sort of bemused by section 925, which says the provisions of this chapter except for a few sections, which are not the one we're talking about here, shall not apply with respect to the transportation, shipment, receipt, possession, or importation of any firearm or ammunition imported for, sold, or shipped to, or issued for the use of the United States or any department or agency thereof or any state. Now, I, I suppose that that, you know, if transportation includes carry, I guess that would let the... Or if, if carry is always transportation, the, the carry section wouldn't apply if you're using a, I don't know, a gun that's been taken from a federal agent, which wouldn't make much sense. That, that, that may be true. So your answer is no. My answer is no. My, my answer is no for another reason as well, which is, as I said, I think transportation doesn't require that the defendant accompany the gun. 
And I think carrying doesn't require that the defendant accompany the gun. And again, that, that points out why this, the seriousness of this offense and the reason why Congress wanted to get at carrying, which is they were concerned with the defendant taking the gun along so that it would be there uh, and available for use at the time when the defendant uh, is prepared to commit a drug deal, to, to possess the drugs, to rip off another dealer, to sell the drugs, whatever it is the defendant would. Uh, Your answer isn't really no. I mean, Your answer wasn't really no, was it? Yes, it was. No, then I am confused. You mean that, that carry is not, does not include transport? Well, as, because I don't think it requires that you accompany the item that's being transported, uh, unless I'm misunderstanding you. In other words, I think I, carrying sorry. usually involves transporting it, but transporting it does not always involve carrying it. Uh, does that help? I thought carrying at its heart from Middle English on was having something in a cart or a car, and we often use the word transportation for that. That's correct, and I, I think I didn't... There's certainly a, a great overlap between the two words, but there are some different uses. For example, where you take a gun to have it tr to transport it to somebody else in another state, but you're not going to accompany it. I don't think you'd say that you're carrying it in that case. And so there, there are differences between the two statutes, and there's reasons why Congress would have chosen to treat them differently. I also think, though, that where it's ultimately intended that uh, the person who's doing the carrying is going to be the one who's doing the using also, it's much more natural to... Uh, uh, to refer to carry rather than use, as, for example, you carry, as I said before, you carry a pen in your pocket, you carry a, um, a, 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 a flashlight in your glove compartment. Um, you could say you're transporting the flashlight, but I think it's much more natural to say that you're carrying it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Feldman. Mr. Klonoff, you have three minutes. In <laughs> Thank you. The government's argument answers Justice Breyer's question about where are the anomalies in the government's position. The government really couldn't answer what happens when the car is stopped, and if it does apply, then the whole theory of transportation makes no sense. The government couldn't answer the train hypothetical. These are going to create enormous line-drawing problems for the for future courts. The government really couldn't explain the passenger situation. Where does this rule get them if the only person that can be charged under that theory is the driver? So we would submit that... Uh, well, it seems to me in the great run of the mine cases, the, the, the gun is in the glove compartment uh, or in, the, uh, in a bag under a newspaper on the passenger seat within easy reach or even in the trunk. We don't have too many cases, uh, just like we don't have too many cases with missiles, we don't have too many cases with guns in cabooses and the... There are cases of guns in ships and trains, and there are many, many cases of guns in the back seat between the passengers, and the government's position is anomalous there. Now, guns in the guns suitcase the on the train. I mean, if you get on a train, you chuck your suitcase up on the rack or in the back of the car. Exactly. In response to Justice O'Connor's question, this points at Justice Souter's point about the reason for construing carry narrowly, the government does prosecute transport in precisely these circumstances. We cite in our reply brief United States versus Alboron, the Fourth Circuit case, exactly the same situation. Uh, gun in a glove compartment uh, on the way to a drug transaction. So there are statutes to get at precisely this situation. Um, in terms of the state statutes, we would disagree with the government's position. The Congress was not incorporating the whole sweep of state statutes. Oh, but on the state statute, let me ask you this question. There are, there are several state statutes that say carry on the person. There are a few. Most would, of the Would you not agree that if you're correct, the words on the person in those statutes are redundant? Those few statutes. There are many statutes that say... So at least some states thought carry was broader than... Well, most of the states say on or about, and many of them, 22 of them, and they're cited in the Cleveland brief, say on or about or, uh, including broadly, in the vehicle. Now, those 22 states would be surplusage under the government's position. You wouldn't need to say on the vehicle. So the overwhelming weight of the state statutes we submit supports our position uh, and not the government's. And at most, as was pointed out in the questioning, I think, by the Chief Justice, 
all you get from looking at the state statutes ultimately is an application of the rule of lenity. There is no way that you come to the conclusion that the government's position is unambiguous. So we submit that that whole exercise simply demonstrates why the petitioner should prevail. May I ask you to comment on one other thing that's kind of puzzled me? In our opinion in, in Bailey, we said that the person puts the gun next to him during the transaction that just sits there. That's not use, and one reason it was not use was that would leave no room for carry to cover that situation. Do you think that situation is covered either by carry or use? Well, I don't believe that the court was referring to the situation where the gun was just laying there in terms of carry. The examples of carry... Well, he puts, the the court puts a gun into a place to protect dr drugs or to embolden himself, for the court's words, and we all signed on to that. Right, but the court was not describing carry there. Every time the court used... No, but it was saying the reason that we don't want to read it as use is that would mean that it leave no room for carry to cover that situation. Well, I would respectfully, Justice Stevens, I would submit that the court was not in any way suggesting that carry would cover that situation. The court's examples of carry in, in Bailey were always in reference to on the person. Thank you, Mr. Klonoff. The case is submitted. We'll